0: So pleased to see you have returned to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm glad you stopped in today because we have a, a rare treat for you. These items just came in, and they are very much an item that, whether they're something that is a newer model or something from antiquity such as we have today, they don't stay long on the shelves here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, I believe because these items may still be quite desired and quite useful, even in this day and age. If you'll take a look over here, uh, I've taken the liberty of laying out this fine leather case. It's it's something you would roll up and tie together with these leather thongs here at the end. Uh, but if you look inside this leather display, the leather holds what looks like stakes. And now you're probably saying to yourself, uh, shopkeeper... What would these stakes be used for? Maybe for staking up a tent, if you will, for camping, something such as that. But no, you would be so far off the mark. These stakes are better served as a weapon of defense or even a weapon of offense in the fight against the powers of evil. This particular set of wooden stakes is a centuries-old artifact and not uncommon to something you might find on the person of a vampire hunter. And therein lies the essence of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new film, Renfield. So uh, a few years back, I started hearing rumblings of a new movie coming out that was going to feature Count Dracula And the name I heard tied to it was one Nicolas Cage. And as soon as I heard that, I probably thought to myself and maybe even said out loud, I know I've said it uh, when, when talking with my wife or other people about the possibility of a new Dracula movie and Nicolas Cage starring as Dracula, I said, what the fuck? I was not having any of it. Uh, I thought that would have been a horrible idea for a serious Dracula movie. And then, of course, as things develop and rumors and whatnot start to seep out more and more about the production uh, that was beginning, uh, I found out that this was going to be a horror comedy and then I eventually found out it was going to be the movie Renfield and based off the the familiar character of Renfield uh, to Dracula as the master. And it kind of delve into that in a horror slash comedy way. And I thought, okay, but that makes a little more sense that Nicolas Cage is going to be in a horror comedy. And then I started seeing the, the stills from... The filming of Nicolas Cage in these this like red velvet suit, and I thought to myself, "Oh God, this is just going to be as horrible as I think it's going to be." And for the longest time, I refused to acknowledge this movie. I refused. I wasn't going to go see it. Uh, I didn't want to have anything to do with it because I, as a kid growing up, loved vampire stuff. Uh, I loved Dracula uh movies of course some of the some of the classic dracula movies the 1931 dracula starring bella lugosi was always a, a late night favorite of course that's dracula in the 70s i can't remember the actor who played him but he had the very low v-neck buttoned shirt and uh, showing off his uh, hairy chest which at the time I didn't really care about sexy Dracula but it was still Dracula and still scared the crap out of me watching it late at night at my grandparents house while everybody's outside enjoying a picnic and enjoying a a bonfire I am inside my grandparents house in the dark watching this on their television Uh, scared to move because I realized that the sun had gone down I am in the dark. I'm watching this uh, 70s version of Dracula, and, uh, you know, it's sundown. That's when the vampires come out. So (laughs) that that sort of stuff scared the shit out of me as a kid. And I, you know, I have a great reverence for Dracula. I remember my best friend and I uh, listening to an old record. Uh, It was the voices of Dracula and... And the mummy, or no, no, it was Dracula and Frankenstein, and it, it was uh, one of those things where again we're sitting there listening to this in the dark in my in my best friend's uh, bedroom on a record player. It's one of those deals where we ended up, I think, having to turn it off because it scared the shit out of us. Much like playing with the Ouija board uh, in the middle of the night uh, with flashlights and candles going, uh, we had to we had to shut shit down because it, it just was was too scary, and that's really the essence of why i love vampires uh the classic vampires that's why i love classic dracula because it was frightening especially as a child and i want the fright i felt as a child with this character this iconic vampire character to carry through to my adulthood i mean in in my 20s Late teens, early 20s, when Bram Stoker's Dracula came out, it was such a, a wonderful adaptation of Bram Stoker's work. And, and it had some some creepiness and some scares and things like that. But I, I want something to take that, take that essence and that atmosphere of of Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula and amp up the horror and make Dracula scary again. And when I found out this movie Renfield was coming out, I realized Dracula's not gonna be scary. It's gonna be Nicolas Cage as Dracula. And and while Nicolas Cage, I love Nicolas Cage, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm a fan of his. <laughs> Sometimes, though, the characters that he wants to play. And I've, I've heard, you know, he's always wanted to play Superman. And I thought, Nicolas Cage's Superman is a horrible idea. Uh, it would not look anything like Superman from the comic books. Uh, I've heard he wants to play Captain Nemo, which I, I could see that. I, I, would, I wouldn't mind that happening. But uh, he's also wanted to play Dracula. And I think that's just a... Uh, If you want to take Dracula serious, uh, you can't have Nicolas Cage playing Dracula in in a serious horror vampire film. But that is not this. Renfield is not a serious vampire horror film. Uh, It's not really, I mean, it's technically considered a horror comedy, but I felt it was neither horror nor comedy. Uh, Even though I, in some regards, and in many regards, I guess I could really honestly say I didn't mind the movie. I, I actually kind of enjoyed it to a degree. Not the degree that I wanted to, or not the degree that fit the bill of sale that I was getting as a horror comedy, but it was enjoyable on most accounts, and, and we'll talk about why. But I do want to remind you that there are going to be spoilers. We're going to be talking about this movie. I'm not going to go into great depth of this. We're going to talk about some of the main characters and their place in the store. We're going to talk about some of the things I liked and some of the things I didn't like, but I'm going to be talking about this with spoilers because I can't talk about it and hold back because, you know, I don't want a movie that holds back. So I don't want to hold back when telling you about a movie. So don't look at this as a review, as a discussion on the movie. And if you haven't seen this movie yet and you want to go watch it, you don't want anything spoiled for you, uh, go check it out. And if not, if you don't care, you just want to hear, you know, what it's about and, you know, you might watch it later, you might not, Uh, keep on. Keep it on with me, Uh, and if you have watched this movie, uh, see if how I feel about it is how you felt about it. Uh, From here on out, though, we are going to have a lot of spoilers. So for the longest time, the... uh, Universal monster movies have just kind of been a shit show. I mean, you had Bram Stoker's Dracula, which came out in what, the early 90s? Uh, well, I can't remember the 92, 93, somewhere around there. It was right about the time I graduated from high school and was a huge success. And then, of course, they they went on to to do the Brendan Fraser Mummy movies. I'm pretty sure that came after. And that really, I, I'm not big on turning uh, these classic uh, monster movies into action movies. But that seems to be where where the Universal Studios, Universal Pictures wanted to take these. They, they had great success as much as I didn't care for it. They had great success with Brendan Fraser's uh, Mummy movies. And then they came out with the Benicio Del Toro, Anthony Hopkins' uh, Wolfman, which uh, it got a lot of shit. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was, but it's not the Wolfman movie I really wanted. And then ever since then, they've just been kind of trying to do reboots. There was Dracula Untold in 2014. I thought that was okay. There was the uh, Tom Cruise, The Mummy movie, which I thought was... Again, trying to turn the mummy into an action adventure. There have been some some various versions of Frankenstein over the years, the past you know a couple decades that I, I think were okay. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, I enjoyed that. There was a mini series of Frankenstein that was done here. I don't know whether it was PBS or A&E or AMC, something like that that uh, that I that I quite enjoyed. I thought was fairly faithful to the book. But then you've had updated version that of that like I Frankenstein. It just Universal just doesn't know what to do with these amazing classic movie monster properties that they have. And that's why you get something like Renfield where they don't know how to make a scary movie. Uh, they don't have any faith in anyone being able to make a scary movie. So let's do a horror comedy. Because that is the de facto uh if you don't know how to make something scary, make it funny. And that'll people love that. People eat up horror comedies, and it just feels like we're getting more and more of that these days. Uh, studios and. Filmmakers don't know how to make something really scary. They don't know how to do anything new to scare the shit out of people. And then you get, you know, this the situation where, uh, okay, I'm not gonna, we can't make it scary. I don't know how to make it scary, so we're gonna try and make it funny and appeal to people that way. And I've had a real love hate relationship with horror comedy over the year. I, I think when it's done right. You can have some really classic movies like uh, Return of the Living Dead, like Shaun of the Dead, uh, like the uh, Evil Dead movies. There are a lot of really great examples of horror comedy out there that that really work. But then you get to the point, like I said, where it, it almost feels like they don't know how to make it scary, so let's make it funny instead. For lack of any idea of how to treat this material and and I think universal is in that position where they don't know how to make horror movies they don't know how to make scary movies but that's okay, because we'll just turn everything into a comedy or an action adventure. And as soon as I hear something is a horror comedy, that's what I think. They didn't know how to make it scary, so they're going to try and make it funny. And and I, I guess maybe that's probably my own hang-up. But when I found out that Renfield was going to be a horror comedy, I thought, oh, well, they don't know what else to do with Dracula, so they're going to make him a fucking joke. And, and that kind of pisses me off because, like I said, I, I have this deep uh rooted love of, of vampires and the classic movie monsters and the classic Count Dracula, the Bella Lugosi version of Dracula, the Christopher Lee hammer horror film Dracula, you know, that was always really scary. Uh, even Gary Oldman as Dracula there in the 90s, uh, really scary versions of Dracula. That scared the shit out of me as a kid and, and even scared the shit out of me in my, my late teens and early 20s. But I watched the trailers for this movie and... I thought, okay, I I may, it kind of wore me down. I kept seeing the trailer so much, and I kept seeing so much about the movie. It it kind of wore me down. We're like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And then when this, you know, this weekend, this past weekend came up, uh, I was like, okay, I've got Pope's Exorcist I can talk about. Hopefully that's scary. Uh, Much to my chagrin, it wasn't as scary as I wanted it to be, but it it wasn't, It was an okay effort for an exorcism movie. What else am I going to talk about? Well, The Mandalorian's not finished just yet. I mean, by the time you hear this on Thursday and it drops Thursday, it will have been. But by the time I'm recording this, uh, The Mandalorian season finale is still not out yet. So I was like, you know, I I need something to talk about. Let's go check out Renfield and see if maybe it pleasantly surprises me. And in some regards, it surprised me. Um, it surprised me how much I did enjoy it to a degree. Uh, it also surprised me that it wasn't as funny as I thought it was supposed to be. Uh, I, I get it. It's supposed to be dark comedy, but even dark comedy makes me laugh. It, you know, dark comedy is supposed to make you laugh when you know you shouldn't be laughing. And it didn't have any of that. Now that's not to say they didn't have some some, you know, chuckly, haha moments or moments like, oh, okay, that's kind of funny. That's yeah, very droll It wasn't, you know, your traditional comedy where, like, nothing made me laugh out loud. In, in the movie theater I watched in, there is nobody laughing out loud at anything. Uh, there was one joke we'll talk about a, a little bit later that I think it's actually quite funny. Uh, it's bathroom humor, but hey, you know what? You got to get your laughs where you can. So we're going to talk about this movie in the the way we usually do. We're going to talk about the characters, and there's only a few real main characters that we're going to, to talk about and talk about their place in the story, talk about some of the things I liked and didn't like about this, and you know, kind of go from there. But uh, but the crux of this movie is the fact that Renfield has been the familiar to Count Dracula for uh, who knows how long, decades, centuries, however long it's been. And it's a very much a toxic relationship. And I've heard this uh, movie described as an allegory for, for toxic relationships and codependency. It's not an allegory at all. An allegory suggests like a hidden meaning that you're supposed to derive from it. This was, There's was nothing veiled about what they were trying to say in this. It was it was about toxic relationships. It was about codependency. They come right out and tell you on multiple occasions. Uh, so I, I don't think it was, I don't look at it as an allegory. It was just strange. Straight up, this is about likening the Dracula-Renfield relationship to codependent relationships. And I thought Renfield was really well... Cast uh, Nicholas Holt is an actor that uh, I, I've really loved most of the things he's been he's been in. Uh, I loved him in the Menu here. Uh, when was that earlier this year? Uh, I loved him as Beast and the X Men. You know some of the some of the X Men things that they did uh, towards the end of the Fox X Men run was kind of hit or miss, but I always liked Nicholas Holt as Beast. And there's there's one scene where he's he's jumping across this big expanse and the posture he takes when he's jumping looks exactly like the posture used jumping uh, across great lengths with uh, as beast in the x-men movies and i know i'm not the only one who noticed that and i thought you know i've heard other people talking about it and i was like yep I thought the exact same thing. But, you know, he is this long-suffering servant of Dracula who, you know, never feels like anything he does. All he does is do for Dracula, Uh, brings him people to feed on, takes care of him, looks after him, and, and serves him you know, giving his heart and soul and it never seems enough for Dracula. And, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people have been in similar relationships. So the the character of Renfield with Nicholas Holt playing him is very much a, a character that people can empathize with because, you know, while it is a fantastical relationship of uh, vampire master and his familiar servant, it is very much a relationship that... That has real world parallels. And I thought Nicholas Holt plays that very well. He plays that kind of downtrodden uh, person that has been in a, a bad relationship and is just beaten down to the point where you know there's no self-esteem and there's no joy derived from anything because anything he does that might give him joy, uh, he's got to put it aside to to serve his master. and, and Nicholas Holt plays that. That empathetic character quite well, uh, but then you have moments where he. It, this is where it kind of delves into superheroy stuff, and we'll talk about uh, what I think this movie really feels like uh, towards the end. But uh, he eats bugs, and, and that comes from the the Dracula story from Bram Stoker, Renfield eating dr- eating bugs, but but in this movie he eats bugs, and the life force from the bugs uh activates the powers that dracula has given him and gives him like superpowers, super strength and he becomes a, a one-man ass-kicking machine which really helps out when he meets up with aquafina's character and the uh the issues that she's having but I really liked nicholas holt as renfield he was like i said a very sympathetic character but uh, a very good character you know he wants to do better, he's going to this kind of like self-help group, and and learning that you know he is worth it. He he does deserve better, and and to see that change and him standing up for himself, uh, it was very fun, and very believable with with Nicholas Holt's uh, performance. Now Aquafina is in this as Rebecca Quincy. She is a she's essentially a traffic cop. Uh she graduated first in her class, but she's still stuck on the traffic cop beat. She wants to be solving real crimes, but she just feels like she's being held back and there's a it almost feels like two movies and I've heard a lot of people talking about it in this regard. You've got the the Renfield Dracula Dynamic and the analogy to codependency and uh, toxic relationships. but you've also got this kind of secondary story where Aquafina is this good cop in a corrupt precinct with all these other corrupt cops and there is a mob family that uh, has it out for her. And, you know, the cops are all on the payroll of this mob family, which we'll get into those characters here in just a few minutes. It really felt like two different movies. And the whole idea that Rebecca Quincy, Aquafina's character, her father was kind of, I'm guessing he was killed because of this mob family. Her sister is an FBI agent. They're both trying to bring down this mob family in their own way. Uh, Aquafina's Rebecca Quincy character is doing it by, you know, playing by her own rules where her sister is doing it by the books and they kind of butt heads but they're still on the same team. They throw this out there and it just doesn't really have any bearing on the on the whole movie or, or the story. You don't really dig much into you know, what happened to her father other than he was killed as a result of this mob family. And it is all really just to bring Renfield to Rebecca Quincy. So they meet up because one, Renfield has these superpowers. He's got to have some bad guys to kick ass with. And Rebecca Quincy played by Aquafina, has a bunch of bad guys on her, on her tail. And so it's like, you know, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. No, you got your peanut butter and my chocolate. Oh, it's delicious. It's a Reese's cup. If you're around my age, you remember that commercial. But at any rate... Aquafina is, uh, she did a, an all right job. She's not a bad actress. Uh, her character is pretty one note, though. I mean, if you've seen Aquafina play a character, it is pretty much every other character you've seen her play. It's very much, I, I've got a, a, a dry, sarcastic, snarky sense of humor and almost a little chip on my shoulder, and I'm kind of angry at the world sort of sort of character and she does that really well but as as somebody who gets a lot of comedic roles i I don't think she's that funny and she wasn't that funny in this now that could be because they didn't really give her any funny lines uh it's not even funny for dark comedy it was just I, i don't know just some of the jokes Uh, weren't that good like this one guy uh, towards the end is saying something and the the chief of police is like shut the fuck up whatever his name is and i'm like well that's that's not funny it just you know just throwing out swear words like that does not equate to jokes but that's the kind of stuff they gave Aquafina. It's that kind of humor, which isn't funny at all. Uh, but like I said, I, I did enjoy her performance for the most part. I liked the character well enough. And I thought, you know, she did a good job with it. She's I don't think she was just given much. You know, if she's supposed to be comic relief. And, and in some regards, she felt like she was supposed to be comic relief. In other regards, she was supposed to be given this dramatic performance. And I think that leads to one of my big problems with this movie is it didn't really know what it wanted to be but she becomes kind of a love interest to Renfield when Renfield saves her at this club these these mobsters are coming to try and kill her and we have our first really huge fight scene which was actually really good I I have to say the fight scenes were really interesting and gory as fuck my God, the the gore in this was was on a, a different level. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I really like some of the fight scenes. and I thought Nicholas Holt and Aquafina both did a good job with the action sequences in this movie. Now, speaking of the mob family, you've got a, a couple mobsters. There's Teddy. He's kind of like this mob enforcer, this this mob uh, boss played by Ben Schwartz. And if you've ever seen Ben Schwartz, I mean, he's done a lot of voice work in movies and, and TV. He, I remember him from Parks and Recreation playing John Ralphio. <laughs> The character felt a lot like John Ralphio. If John Ralphio was a mobster. That's what Ben Schwartz was. And and there again, he was a character that, you know, Ben Schwartz is, is funny. He's got a lot of good comedic timing. Uh, just the, you know, the jokes weren't that funny for him. And while he, again, is supposed to be a comic relief character, it just wasn't that funny. Uh, I, I just didn't care for any of the humor that they tried to to give him. And that's that's a sad thing. And, and I get it. It's dark comedy. It's not your typical comedy. But even for dark comedy. Uh, I'm no stranger to dark comedy. I'm not a fucking moron. I know what dark comedy is. I've watched dark comedy. I've watched some good dark comedy. And this was not it. And then, of course, you have uh, Teddy's mom, Bella Francesca. Played by Sore Ogdushlu. Hopefully I'm pronouncing her name right. But uh, she does a really good job with this character, uh, Bella Francesca. She's the matriarch mob boss to this, this crime family. They're they're not the biggest. They don't have the most money. But they're supposed to be the most feared mob family. And, and she really portrays that menace and that, you know, like I said, that matriarch mob boss that you don't want to F with. I, I wish they could have shown a little more of why she was so ruthless. Uh, I felt like there was a lot of this movie that fell on the cutting room floor, and, and we'll talk about that a little later. But but I thought al Dushlu uh, did a fantastic job as this this mob boss matriarch, and then of course you have Nicolas Cage as Count Dracula, the legendary Transylvanian, and uh, his his performance. Well, I didn't like it in theory before the movie came out. In watching it. You know, Nicolas Cage as Count Dracula is so ridiculously over the top and so ridiculously Nicolas Cage that I almost found myself enjoying it. Uh, It's not a traditional, you know, Bela Lugosi style portrayal of Count Dracula, but in this movie, it's not going to be. And And I get that. I understand that. But Nicolas Cage just being himself and his version of dracula was quite enjoyable to watch i have to admit and they did a lot of really good work with him, with prosthetics and and puppetry with the character. And they did, you know, there were there's some of it that's CG, but uh, I think some of it worked with his character. The CG that was involved with his character, we'll talk about some of the CG I didn't like later. But I, I thought he did a really good job. Very a very opulent. Like I said, over-the-top and ridiculous rendition of Count Dracula, but it worked for this movie. You know, seeing Count Dracula in this red velvet leisure suit is just, it's so ridiculous, uh, but it works For Nicolas Cage's version of Dracula. Like I told my wife when I got home from the movie, it was ridiculously delightful. And he did a good job as Dracula the manipulator. Dracula the narcissist to Renfield's, you know, codependent character. And for as much as I didn't want to like Nicolas Cage as Dracula, I I found it uh, an enjoyable performance. Ridiculous, but enjoyable now there's a, a bunch of other characters that uh i think probably where you get some of the best humor uh the best dark comedy is in the uh, support group sessions with renfield and brandon scott jones who if you haven't watched that t- tv series ghost he plays isaac on ghost and is just freaking hilarious one of my wife and i's favorite characters on ghost and he is kind of the leader of the support group and I have to imagine he had some funnier lines, uh, just because he is so funny. His character was funny in this, but not as funny as I thought it was going to be, given the trailer. Uh, but he does a fantastic job. Just his performance steals any scene that he's in because he's just got such a great delivery, and you know, plays this character in a way that, that kind of suits a dark comedy. And and a lot of the people that are in this support group. We're really good. The other members of the support group, uh, you know, you got some, some funny moments. If any of the comedy worked in this, it was some of the, some of the dark comedy that you got with the support group that, that actually worked when Renfield keeps interrupting the, <laughs> the character carol and her reactions were just uh, some some great like i said dark humor that moment where renfield was talking about coming to to be a part of the support group and he was following the one character because you know and and he's thinking Uh, because he was going to feed this character to Dracula but the character kind of breaks in because you were looking for a friend or or something to that effect and it was just I, I think some of the some of the humor worked best with the support group characters but ultimately the movie revolves around the codependent relationship between Renfield and Dracula and that toxic relationship and then the the Mob boss, uh, the mob bosses trying to get Aquafina and Aquafina working in a corrupt police precinct, and uh, like I said, the two stories really didn't mesh well together. But it was just kind of the the plot device you needed, the plot points you needed to get Renfield and Aquafina in the same story and make them kind of a, a bit of a love interest uh, they don't really go into the romance of these two characters but you you see a, a budding relationship which was which was cute to watch uh, i i enjoyed that they're towards the end when you you have the mob boss and dracula teaming up to face aquafina and renfield Uh, you know it was all stuff you kind of saw right away that this is the direction that they're going and dracula gives the teddy character and some of the other mob henchmen the same powers that renfield has and they start eating bugs and to power up and and that big fight scene between all of them and aquafina at the end It, it was all you know the fight scenes uh i thought were really good in this there was like three really big fight scenes that uh, i think the the fight choreography and stunts were were done really well i think the biggest problem i have with a lot of these fight scenes was the CG blood and they used a lot of CG blood in this now they did a lot of practical effects in this, they did a lot of practical effect work on Nicolas Cage early on as Dracula, they did some puppetry where he's all burnt by the sun early on and, and spends uh, the better part of the movie healing himself or, or being healed by Renfield bringing him blood but they did some some puppetry there so they, there were a lot of effects, practical effects that they use to create Dracula uh, along with the CG enhancements, you know, when Dracula turns into bats or he turns into mist, uh, you know, classic things that vampires, especially Dracula does, which I like how they incorporated a lot of the the Dracula mythos that is goes back to, to Bram Stoker's Dracula goes back to the Bela Lugosi Dracula of the '30s. So I, I I liked all of that. You know, they did a lot of good work with practical effects, but with the blood, they used way too much CG blood, and it was obviously CG. I mean, it was so bad. And and of course, this one scene where they have that big fight inside the apartment complex that Renfield is living in. And there is just... This should be a bloodbath. There should be blood splattered everywhere. But you see blood shooting out of somebody like a geyser. And not a drop anywhere. I think I saw one, one point where they smeared. Like you could tell it was like somebody's handprint smearing blood on the wall. And that was it. Renfield should be drenched in blood. And he's got like a few spots here or there. And it's just... Uh, to me that takes me out of it it's like okay i I know it's fake because it looks fake but you're not even trying to use any practical blood to enhance it to to make it feel as bloody as the events that i just saw and and that was probably one of the biggest failings other than the fact that there wasn't really a lot of comedy in this at all for being a a dark horror comedy was the fact that the the blood was all CG and it's like they spent 10 bucks on some fake blood and they used about a buck 50 of it but other than that I mean you can't take away from the fight choreography and then they did some some really cool things I like the first fight scene inside of the restaurant slash club and nicholas holt is you know cuts a couple guys off with a, a serving plate and stuff like that was cool they did some really interesting things using body parts as weapons which i thought was really cool and, and fun to watch so the fight choreography i thought was fantastic in this. It was just undermined by the fact that they used, and and I get CG arms getting chopped off. That's fine. But the CG blood looked bad. The CG guts coming out of people looked bad for the most part. I think they may have had a couple shots where it may have been practical, but I don't know. But the CG blood in and of itself was horrible, and they used no practical blood to enhance that, which... I think it should be the other way around. You should use practical blood. It's not that expensive to make. Yeah, you got to clean the shit up between takes, but come on, you're creating jobs. And then the big showdown between Aquafina and Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage's Dracula. Uh, that seemed to go on a little longer than it needed to be. You had this scene where the the shades come up and Dracula's starting to burn, and then he runs, and then we gotta wait. We think that's the end, and no, we gotta wait a little longer. And the the ending just kind of was drawn out a little bit longer than it needed to be. You could have tightened up that ending. And given us more of what I imagine, like I, I referenced earlier, it felt like there was a lot of stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor. A lot of connective tissue, maybe a little more about the relationship between Aquafina, her dad, and this mob boss that that apparently killed her father. Uh, you could have made that story mean a little more or have a little more bearing to the story. Some connective tissue there might have might have helped if you would have tighten up that finale that that climax and give a little more space for some of that for that side story that just didn't really work there was also something i noticed in the end credits they play a lot of these scenes from the movies and you get a lot of images of Nicolas cage hamming it up as dracula over underneath the credits and there was there was this one scene i noticed where nicholas holt is dancing and i noticed in the credits because I like to, I like to stay and watch the credits. Because one, you never know if there's going to be a PS, and two, I like to, you know, see some of the the actors that I had questions about and and see other things. But uh, one of the things I noticed in the credits is they credited dancers, and there was this like brief clip of a scene where Nicholas Holt is dancing with other people, like a, almost like a show tune number that did not make the movie. So there was, I think, there was a lot of stuff that happened in this movie that just didn't make the cut and was edited out. I think this, this movie was probably intended to be a lot longer, but it uh, there was a lot of things that didn't work with this. I, I don't think the comedy hit, even for dark comedy, it didn't hit the way they wanted it to. And I think they had a lot of things like a a dance number that just wasn't going to work with this movie. And there again, I think it chalks up to them not really knowing what they wanted this movie to be. They wanted it to be too many different things. They wanted it to be horror because you've got Dracula and blood and guts. They wanted it to be an action movie because you had some really good action fight sequences. They wanted it to be a drama because they had some really dramatic scenes between Aquafina and the, the actress that plays her sister and and all of the story that revolved around them and their and their deceased father uh there was also the the comedy aspect of this that like i said for the most part didn't didn't work uh, you had some funny moments in the group therapy session you had One moment where Aquafina and her partner, another traffic cop named Chris, by Adrian Martinez, they're going into that restaurant slash club uh, before that very first fight scene. And they're talking about getting something to eat. And he says, order me a number three because, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, because my body's ordering a number two a little bathroom humor. That's the one thing that made me really kind of chuckle out loud. I was the only one laughing at that because I'm the only one in the movie theater that day uh, that apparently appreciated some good toilet humor. But uh, but yeah, the comedy didn't work. And they just, I think they were trying to be too many things with this movie. For the most part, like I said, the movie I enjoyed. I, I thought it was well-directed. I thought Chris McKay did a, a really good job with the direction. And I thought this movie had a really interesting comic book feel without being a superhero comic bookie. Uh, it, it felt very much like a, a graphic novel come to life, especially when you get the scenes with Renfield and Dracula, because those scenes where Renfield and Dracula the two supernatural characters of this movie are featured, Uh, you had a lot of interesting, vibrant colors and a lot of interesting shots and the framing of those shots and, and the colors and the backgrounds and the colors of the characters. they were very vibrant. When you get into the real world, With the quote-unquote real-world characters like Aquafina and and the cops and stuff like that, everything is just, you know, it's very typical. It's not muted, but it's not those vibrant colors. But once you get Renfield and Dracula on the screen, then you get some of the more of those vibrant colors and it really kind of lent itself to a graphic novel or a comic book you had a lot of interesting things that happen as far as like fight scenes and the the superpower that renfield gets when he eats bugs and that kind of lent itself to a very comic book style story so i i did like it for that aspect of it i think that was probably one of the more interesting things as i'm watching this i'm like this feels like a comic book come to life on the screen i wish you know some more uh comic book movies marvel or DC. I wish they'd take a take a page from that in, in some regards because I, I thought the look of it was very interesting and very visually stunning in some of those scenes. Like I said, where you get uh, a lot of vibrant colors against dark figures and it really had a, a wonderful look. So I, I like the direction. I like the look of it. Uh, I felt like it was a very truncated vision of what probably was meant. And I just don't think this movie... Uh, Knew what it wanted to be. It it needed to pick a lane, even pick two lanes, and execute them both uh, masterfully. But it just it wanted to be too many different things. And I just don't think any of those things worked uh, in its entirety. And they certainly didn't work well together. Now, like I said, I, I did enjoy Nicholas Holt. I did enjoy Nicholas Cage and their performances, Renfield and Dracula. I even enjoyed Aquafina. She's not a great actress, but she's not a bad actress either. And while she didn't provide any comic relief, which you would kind of expect from a comedic actress, I thought she did a good job with the the drama. Where, where she wasn't that funny uh, she did a, a good job with the drama aspect of this character and and I really enjoyed that I liked a lot of the, the group therapy scenes I thought those were fun the fight scenes were fantastic outside of the shitty CG blood and the penny pinching on the practical blood I thought they did some really good things uh, CG and practical effect wise with Dracula uh, made it really fun to watch and I enjoyed this movie probably a lot more than I thought I would. I don't love the movie. I don't know as if I would ever watch it again unless my wife decides she wants to watch it. Maybe when it comes out on streaming, uh, I'll I'll watch it again with her. But if she doesn't, uh, I'll probably never watch this movie again. And I have to imagine they're working on a sequel. If it does well in the box office, they, they really set it up to a, a potential sequel. At least they left the door open for a sequel. So uh, we'll see if, if that happens, if I would even go see that. I probably would just to see if they can improve on the the things they did right, and and fix the things they did wrong. But yeah, probably not a movie I'll ever watch again, but I'm not disappointed that I did watch it. And it's not one of those movies where I'm like, Jesus, I just spent... Uh, 18 bucks on nachos, drink, and a movie ticket, and I can't get that money back, and I can't get that time back, but I thought it was an okay movie, and I know a lot of people probably liked it a lot more than I did. Uh, it's not that I say I didn't like it, because uh, it, it was an okay movie. I, I enjoyed it well enough, and hopefully you, at the very least, enjoyed it well enough. Hopefully you enjoyed it uh, more than I did. If that is your thing, if you found every aspect of this just wonderful I'm glad you enjoyed it. It just wasn't it wasn't great for me, but it's not a movie I hated. So <laughs> I suppose that was a best case scenario for me going into it given my my thoughts going into watching this movie. So want well, to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to my thoughts on the new movie Renfield. Check it out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Those are just my opinions and my thoughts. Uh, see for yourself whether you like it or not uh, by giving it a fair shake and watching it like I did. Uh, even though you think it might not be good or, or maybe you think it's going to be the, the greatest vampire movie ever put on film, uh, go check it out for yourself. And you can find out more about what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page, as well as Instagram. Of course, always posting articles on the horror fantasy and science fiction that we find all over the internet to add my two cents. always like to add trailers to the latest movies and series coming out. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please subscribe to it, like it, follow it, whatever you have to do. And no matter what you do, please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. That helps the the algorithms of all these podcast platforms to tell them that hey people like this and they need to expose more people to this podcast and and you know that's why I do this so, so people can hear what I have to say and agree with me disagree with me uh, it doesn't matter just as long as you uh, hopefully are entertained and maybe get a little insight that uh, maybe you hadn't thought about uh, maybe you're like oh, hey you know what he missed this completely don't feel don't feel like you can't leave a comment or a message or anything like that on Facebook or Instagram but uh, I want to thank everyone for listening and until next time